Well, I am so excited about this day. Isn't it just an incredible day, historical day for our church? And we are so glad that you have come out. And I'm so humbled by that and humbled by the experience that all of us are having today. And I, I just can't think of a more fitting song than for our choir to declare the faithfulness of our God. Amen. He has been so faithful to us in so many different ways and and so faithful to us personally, faithful to us as a church. When we began this journey, this just blows my mind today, when we began this journey of of EVC about 18 years ago, starting in a living room right over here in Lake Country in my mom and dad's house on Woodside Hill Court. And what a milestone for us to experience today. Let's give God a big applause today. God deserves all the credit. He deserves the credit today. Now, I just want to tell you, if, if me, along with our staff, if we have that kind of deer-in-the-headlights look, it's because we kind of feel that way right now. Um, we really just, I, I got to tell you, I'm waiting for somebody to tell me and to kind of wake me up and say that this is a dream, because it does feel like a dream. Uh, it hasn't sunk in, really, for me, uh, totally at this point, as, as God has just been so faithful to us. I'm still just, I'm still trying to take it all in and, and just take the experience in. And never in my wildest dreams would I have ever dreamed that when God was first calling a 17-year-old punk kid into the ministry right across the street at Boswell High School, I had no idea that I would ever, ever be pastoring a church right across the street. Isn't God full of surprises in our lives, amen? And that's so exciting. It's just, again, it just hasn't totally sunk in. And now one of the first things that I want to say to you this morning is this, is that the Lord impressed this upon me this past week. And I want to make this one of the first things that I say to you. The Lord never said in his word anywhere, and he said this to me this week, uh, he never said, if you lift a building up that I will draw all people unto you, right? or all, all people unto me. He never said that. There are buildings all over the place, buildings all over the United States. But what did he say? He said, if you will lift me up, Jesus Christ, I will draw all men unto myself. Amen, right? And that is what this is all about. And, that, and I make that commitment to you. I made that commitment 18 years ago when we first started. I reaffirm that commitment to you today that Jesus will always be exalted here. He will always be lifted up. He's our senior pastor, right? I've always said that to us. And, 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 and the other thing that we always want to remember is this, is that there are people all over our community who need to know how much he loves them, right? That's why we did this, right? To make space so more people can hear about the gospel and hear about what he wants to do in their life. And so we're going to always lift Jesus Christ up. And, and we are also still a church filled with broken people. Amen. We are all broken. We all have brokenness in our lives. We just have a shinier new building now, okay, to go along with it. And that's exciting. If you are new today, I just want to tell you how thankful I am that you came out and I appreciate so much braving the parking and the things that we're trying to figure out right now. And we are doing uh, what we were considering to be a bit of a soft launch, okay? And we ran out of chairs in the first service already. And so our big grand opening, which I'm already going, oh my goodness, is is coming May 21st. And what we're going to be doing on that day is we want to have a big block party, a big celebration. And the block party is we want to invite all these neighborhoods that are around us. 
want to invite them to come and to experience. We want to meet our neighbors, right? And we're going to be doing that on May 21st. And so in the meantime, uh, I hope you understand we're still moving in. We just moved in this week. And we're still opening boxes. If you've been a part of a move, you know, personally, you know that it takes some time to get settled in and to get used to new rhythms of the way things are. And, uh, and so what that means is this, is we're still moving in, um, and what you're experiencing is that we're, we're going through a lot of changes. How many of you, you just absolutely love change? Raise your hands up high, raise them up, all right? Didn't think there'd be very, there are a few of you, okay? All right, a few psychos. And, uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> How many of you, though, I'm one of those, I do love change. How many of you, though, you'd be honest and say change can just absolutely sometimes just terrify you? Be honest with me, okay? Kind of freaks you out a little bit. Anybody? Yeah, change can be something that can kind of really we can struggle with. What I, I want you to know is that your EBC staff which I love these guys so much. I'm so thankful for our staff. We have the best staff in the world, amen. They deserve a big round of applause, all of them. They are amazing. They are working. I want you to know they're working day and night as hard as they can uh, to try to make this transition as seamless as possible for us. And I want to say thank you, a big thank you to them. And I also want to say a big thank you to all of you who have helped us move this past week and who are helping us unpack boxes and who are helping us build closets. I mean, this past week, we made a call out to you guys to come and help us move at the old building. And then so many of you came out that we had people waiting in line to pick things up, to put them on the semi. And, uh, I've never been a part of a move where I had to wait in a line. Just saying that, that was awkward uh, and a little strange. By the way, I didn't notice anybody cutting in that line. I noticed that. Nobody was cutting. But, uh, but, but again, I'm so thankful to you. We could not do this without you. We couldn't do it with all of the volunteers that make this happen. I'm so grateful to the, to the body of Christ coming together that it, that it has the way uh, it has over these last few weeks. And so, so in that process, things are changing some. Things are, are changing, and we're, we're going to be getting used to some of those things. And what we are humbly asking from you, and I know Pastor Randy mentioned this, and he'll say it again to you in a few moments, what we're just asking for you in these next, especially these next few weeks, is just for your grace with us and, and for some patience with us as we, as we have to come back and debrief and, and kind of come at, come at it in different kinds of ways and look at some of the problems that we experience today. And uh, we had no idea, and we have no way of predicting what it was going to be like today. We really had no idea. We moved from three services to two. We didn't know if we were going to fill up two. We had no idea. We ran out of chairs in the first service. They already had to start bringing chairs in in the first service, and that was pretty incredible. But at the same time, we were just going, we had no way of knowing that. So we'll make those adjustments. Um, I don't know when, but I said in the first service, can we maybe say three services? I don't know, all right? We may have to go before we know it. And I even said this, you never know. Phase two, can we say phase two? We don't know what the timing of that will be. We'll settle in and then we'll start analyzing things and figuring out what it is that God wants us to do, right? And we're gonna trust God in that process. But everything we're doing is centered around, around getting the gospel message of Jesus, the 
the good news that he loves people and wants to be in a relationship with them, getting that gospel message to people, and in the process, minimizing the barriers that can be there uh, all the way from the parking experience all the way to the very last amen is said and you're on your way out the door. So what that means for us, it's always been so good about this church, is that all of our systems, all of our methods, the message stays the same, but all of our methods are on the table for our change. We have to be willing to look at it in those terms and, and, for, and, and making potential adjustments. And, and here's what I know, okay? I know that makes people nervous, and it makes me nervous a little bit whenever we're going through some of the changes. But let me put your mind at ease because there are some imperative things that you need to know about us that are not changing, and that is our values never change. Amen? Who we are, our DNA makeup, that does not change. We are still going to be that transparent church where what you see is what you get. The, the bumps and bruises and, 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 and the, even the ugly things that we're all struggling with. We, we want that to be, that's who we are. That's how we started. And that's not changing. The fact that we want to be real and authentic and, and a place where people can come in with their brokenness and where you don't have to feel like you, like you have to come in because that's where you come in. We want people to come in and experience the love and the grace of Jesus because that's what changes people, all right? We are also biblical where we, the word of God is what we stand on, not the opinions of men, but what the word of God says. In fact, I'm standing literally on the word of God today. Whenever we, whenever we were um, uh, pouring the foundation of this church, many of you know this, that I took one of the Bibles that my parents had given me as a teenager, and it's poured in the foundation of this church. And so I would always be standing upon the Word of God and being reminded of that. That's who we are, right? The Word of God is so important for us. And then those relationships, community. We want you to come in and to build real relationships with people and not have surface relationships. We, we don't want you just to get to know the back of somebody's head. We want, you, we want you to know each other, and so community is one of those values that is unchanging. And then serving others. We wanna serve other people. We wanna serve our community. We want our leaders to be servant leaders. That are, those are the things that, that's who we are, and those things are unchanging. And this is a big one, too, that we really feel strongly about, and it's multiplying churches. Planting more churches, starting more churches. As, as America is in post-Christianity phase at this point, we need more churches going into places where people have not heard the gospel and where there is great darkness all over. And what I'm excited about is not only did we open this new church building this week, but you know what I'm also excited about, as excited, is this past week, one of the church plants that we're working with right here in Saginaw, they started last Sunday, they had 15 adults or excuse me, 15 total people on their first day, and I praise God for that. Isn't that exciting? That's exciting. We want to be about multiplying, multiplying churches, multiplying the influence of God. What I'm trying to say to you is that those things never change about us. We're going to have to tweak things that are methods and tweak, you know, some of our systems, but those things that are important, those things never change, right? Who we are stays the same. 
Holly Trantham, she's in this service. She said this, we were talking this week, and she had a really good analogy that I thought was just great. And I shared it in the first service, and I share it with you. She said it was kind of like we have been a plant in a small planter, right? If if you're into planting things, and you're in a small planter, and that plant will only grow to a certain level, right? It's restricted by the size of the planter. And we totally were at that capacity at the other place where we were at. Uh, The limitations were in the planter, not the plant so much. And so she said, you got to take it and put it in a bigger planter or plant it in the ground. And that's when it can really begin to thrive. That's when it can become what it's really meant to be and produce more fruit. Because if you don't, then it's going to get sick and it's even going to die. And that's one of the things that you see sometimes happen with churches, right, is they're not willing to adjust or not willing to change. It requires risks. It requires being willing to make those changes. And throughout our 18-year history, this church has always been great about trusting us whenever we lead out in that way. You've been fantastic from the get-go. Whenever we first said, hey, we need to get out of the living rooms, we're going to take a a chance and go meet in the schools. And then whenever we had to get out of the schools and we went to the gymnasium, and then we went from that gym to the building that we were in, and now this is just one more part of that journey. We haven't arrived. We don't ever need to think that we've arrived. He has called us to go until he returns, amen? Until he returns, we keep going. We keep rolling up our sleeves and going to work and taking the gospel to people, right? And, and, and when we do this, when, when we can spread out, that's when fruit that remains will last. But being honest, the fear of change and the fear of the unknown for most of us can be one of those monsters under the bed that we talked about and we started the series last week. It's one of those things that just keeps us up at night. One of the things that maybe causes us to lose some sleep. Now, I always really loved uh, the classic monster movies whenever I was, especially when I was growing up, I'd watch those old shows, and you know, nothing really scary, just the classic stuff. I loved those kinds of things, and I, I grew up kind of watching reruns of the monsters. Did anybody watch that? Okay, I love that. And the Adams Family, you got, dun 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 help me out. You know it. Okay, all right. I grew up kind of watching those things. I always loved those and uh, kind of loved those. And I started thinking as we were doing this series, I started thinking there are a lot of members of our EBC staff that kind of remind me of different characters um, on some of those monster shows, right? Um, you might have Lurch. I mean, I could have gone Herman Monster, right? I had, that would have worked. Uh, you got Lurch and Uncle Fester. Randy and I have called him Lurch. He's called me Uncle Fester before, right? And then, and then whenever, uh, whenever pa- Pastor Danny, whenever he first came to us a few years ago, he was so young, he was like our little Eddie Monster that came to us, and now he's all grown up in the wolf man, right? And that Pastor Danny's, we got he, our little Pastor Danny's all grown up now, isn't he, right? And so you've got, you've got Pastor Danny, and then I thought, you know, it's funny because I was showing my kids these and they're like, they didn't know who the Munsters were or any of these. And I was like, I've got to make for some of the younger generations. So I thought, well, I'll go, I'll go like, how about that? You got Sully <laughs> and Mike, right? And then I was like, you know what? I even have Karen, our business administrator, right? <laughs> if you remember Roz, you remember Roz and Monsters, Inc., all right? 
you didn't turn in your paperwork, Miller, right? And, and, and she's the one that runs everything behind the scenes. That's totally Karen, right? And, uh, but really the idea of this series, it really came upon me when on a certain night, a couple of months ago, I woke up in the middle of the night and I'm just gonna be totally real with you about this. I was in sheer panic mode. I woke up in the middle of the night and I was just freaking out, thinking about all the things that were coming up, all the changes that were gonna be happening. The fear of the unknown overwhelmed me at that point. The monster was crawling out from under my bed at that specific moment. And Easter was right around the corner and that's stressful enough. If you're, in the, if you're on staff of a church, you know that and our staff gets that. And, uh, and that's always stressful enough. But coupling that with all of the changes and all the things that were gonna need to happen for the big move that was looming for us, I mean, all of that unknown, uncharted territory was out in front of me, and, the, and that monster was crawling out from under the bed, and he just like landed right on top of my chest that night. I could not go back to sleep. Fear at that moment moved in, and I'm just being real with you, and my faith in the middle of the night and the darkness that night moved out. And I was just, I was paralyzed at that point. And I was thinking thoughts like this, that fear moved in and faith moved out and then it became all of this. It became, are we gonna be okay in this move? Are we gonna be able to get everything done? Am I gonna be okay in this, right? Am I gonna handle the change okay? And then it turned into this really self-doubt and, and doubting myself and, and doubting, what has God really called me to this? Is God, I'm not cut out for this, God. I was having an argument with God in the middle of the night. You ever done that? I'm like, I can't do this. I don't know if I'm made for this. I, I, I don't know how, you can't use someone like me. I don't know that I can do this. How will, and then I started thinking, how's EVC gonna handle all this? Because they don't, they don't really know yet all the, all the changes that are gonna, because we're kind of figuring it out. How are they gonna handle the change? Are people gonna say, I can't deal with that, I'm gone, I'm out, and, and just panic kind of came upon me. How will we handle this? And, and then this thought came upon me, it's this whole thought, this fear of failure just overwhelmed me. I just felt this, this fear of failing, this failure in my mind, and it was a dark, dark night in my house. And I was struggling, and others were sleeping, but I was up. And I could not go back to sleep and, and just thinking about this, you know, the Easter was coming and this was coming and then, and thank God, I throw in a Boston Marathon at the same time, right? Uh, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. I think God slowed me down eight seconds. What do you think, right? Because I couldn't have handled it. I couldn't have handled it. And he knows, we know in his sovereignty, right? De fear and doubts were just, had moved into my heart and into my house that night. And I'm, I'm just being real with you. I felt physically sick. I couldn't breathe. Everything was converging and that weight of worry was pressing down upon me. I couldn't sleep. Peace gone. Joy gone. Fear moved in. Have you ever had a night like that? We all probably have it one time or another. I don't wish it on any of you. But it just totally consumed me that night and ate my lunch. And as I said last week, it's not like 
whenever we're, you know, the, the Lord addresses this so much because, because it's, it, it can be such a problem for so many of us. And, and it robs us of our peace. It robs us of our joy. And, you know, I can be hard to be around when my kids are around me when I'm like that. And, and you know, and, and the Lord doesn't want that for me to be that kind of leader in my family. And I, I wish I could tell you that it only happened one time. Would you be upset with me if I told you that I struggled with it a couple of times this week, okay? Even this week, even after I'd already prepared this message, it started kind of crowding in. Now, fortunately, I handled it a little bit differently, and I'll tell you about that in a moment. And it was on a smaller scale this week. It wasn't like that one night. But I just always want to be real with you and let you know that as pastors, we doubt too, we struggle too. We, the worry can consume us at certain times, and we have to deal with it the same way that, that we're charging you to deal with it. We want to practice what we preach. Now, again, as a reminder from last week, it's incredible to know that Jesus gave over 120 different imperative commands throughout all four of the Gospels. There was over 120 things he said to do. And of those 120 plus the thing he said the most had to do with issues of fear. Over 20 times he addresses it where he would say things like, have courage, take heart, fear not, be not afraid. You know, he'd say those kinds of things. Do not worry. We'll talk about that one week where he talks about worrying about provision and finances. And, and he would say those kinds of things more than any other commands. Now, don't get me wrong. That's not saying that, that it's more important than the times that he said, love God and love people. He said that eight times. But the reason that he said this so many times, I believe, is because it's so prevalent among us, and he knows that we struggle with it. The disciples were struggling with it, as we shared last week. We struggle with this. It comes over us and can paralyze us. The fears can paralyze us, and, and it rob us of that peace and joy. And he wants us to be, to be trusting in him and to walk with him, because it's a beautiful thing that is a light to the world when people see that within us. And so I want to be clear about something in this series is this, and I, I don't know if I communicated this well last week or, or really at all, but here's the thing. The goal of this series is not for you to attain a fear-free life. That's not it. Uh, it's, it's not, God is not just a means for fear avoidance. Our goal is not how can I fear less. The goal is how can I learn to trust God more? How can I begin to walk with him? How can that happen? You see, if you're feeling overwhelmed by some problem today, and many of you probably are, you've got something that in, the, in maybe the idle moments, your mind drifts to that. Maybe even in the moments that you're trying to engage, that's what you're thinking about, and it's, it's hovering over you and pressing you down, and you're worried about it. Here's what I have discovered about myself. I have really not so much a fear problem as much as I have a bit of a faith problem. And God's been teaching me that about myself. And that's, that's not to be harsh. It's just saying that he's wanting me to grow in this area. He's wanting us to grow in this area and trusting him. So we start by asking this question. Is your faith bigger than your fears? Is your faith something that is, is growing and that it's, 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 you're doing better in this area? I'm not saying you're perfect, but you're growing. Is your faith bigger than your fears? And, you know, I was reading an article that said that psychology experts... 
um, in the article were saying that every person is born with two innate fears that, that we, we all are born with. One is the fear of loud noises, and the other one is the fear of falling. And I don't know if that's absolutely true. I will say this week, I thought, how did they test that hypothesis? What kind of... Uh, trauma did so, yes, that one's afraid, yes, that one's afraid, you know. I don't know how they did that, and I don't know how true that is, but, but here is one thing. A lot of things we do know is a lot of these fears are things that kind of happen as we are growing and, and emerge within our life, and here is one that I know is a big one we struggle with, the fear of the unknown, the fear of change. Many of you acknowledged that a few moments ago. You're struggling with that. And we see it evidenced all throughout Scripture that that is the case. And it, and it started, uh, you know, w- with Moses and, it start, and the Israelites. And that's what we'll look at here in the book of Exodus. If you'll turn in your Bibles there, we'll look here in just a second together. But let me give you some context. As they were moving out of Egypt, and they had been there for 400 years, and God was leading them now in this perfect timing into the promised land. But the whole time, you need to know this, from the moment that Moses and the Israelites started on this journey of freedom, onto God's plan for freedom and bigger and better things that God had in store for them, he allowed them on multiple occasions to come right up to the face of the fear of change. He was leading them into this uncharted territory, and and the unknown was something that they experienced on a regular basis. And I'm telling you, it was one thing right after another that they would go through. From Pharaoh changing his mind about letting them go, you know the story, and now he's going to chase them down, and, and, and God has led them, as I'll read this to you, God has led them to the Red Sea. Look at what Scripture says. Exodus 13, uh, verse 18 says, So God led them, and we're going to look at chapter 16 in a minute and then go back to chapter 3. God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. God led them to this place. And, and remember, remember, they just watched God do all of these miraculous plagues to deliver them. They saw it with their own eyes, God work in so many incredible ways, but rather than trusting him, their backs are literally up against the Red Sea now. What do they do at that moment? They panic and then panic. After the panic, what ensues? Complaining, murmuring, whining, right? They start saying things like this, why, Moses, did you bring us out here to die? Why did you do to us? We were better off as slaves. We told you, Moses, leave us alone. We don't even want to attempt anything here. Just leave us alone. But God, in spite of this, was trying to teach them to trust him because they're gonna need a lot of faith going forward to conquer in the promised land. He's trying to lead them uh, to trust him. And so by his grace, what does he do? He delivers them again. He splits the Red Sea right and open, right open, wide open, and you know they go across. And now check this out. Within three days after God splitting a sea wide open, that's pretty miraculous, right? Within three days, do you know what they started doing again? Complaining. Within three days, they were now thirsty, and, and God just delivered them two times. Now they were thirsty, and they were having a water problem. Their, pro- their problem was that the water was not fresh, and it was bitter, so they started in panic mode again. We're going we're gonna to die of thirst. We're, gonna, we're struggling with this. You brought us out here to die. Within three, they forgotten what God 
they had already gone to that place of fear again. They had already forgotten what God had done. So God, again, they failed the test. God, again, delivered them by his grace. He provides fresh water out of a rock. I mean, that's amazing in and of itself. And then do you know what happens? A few days later, you know what happens? They get hungry. They get hungry and and they're not getting the food that they want. And so they go to this same MO of fear, complaining, panic. Surely they would trust God now to take care of their food problem. He took care of both of their water problems, right? Surely he'll take care of the food problem. And here's something that is so important to write down or to remember. Write this down if you're taking notes. Fear can just totally erase the faithfulness of God from our memory. When it moves in, that memory gets really short-term, right, about what God has done and what he's doing. Fear can erase that memory. And the problem with this, the reason this is such a big deal, is if you cannot remember God's faithfulness to you in the past and how he's been faithful to us as a church in the past, then you are not inclined to trust him with your future. And that is why this is such a big deal. That's why God so frequently gives us ways and illustrations to remember him. That's why Jesus would say, remember me through communion. Remember me through the bread. Remember how much I love you. Remember all that I went through for you. He said that so many ways in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. You know why? Because we are so inclined to forget. We have short-term memory issues when it comes to the faithfulness of God. Amen, right? We all do. I know I do. I struggle with this, and he's teaching me this. Israel was struggling with this, and and I have to admit, I struggle with this. So they're hungry, and here's what they're going to say in Exodus chapter 16, verse 2. There too, now because it already happened several other times, there too, now look what it says, the whole community, not just a few of them, the whole community of Israel, what does it say, church? Complained. Fear moved in, they start complaining, they start whining again. They complained about Moses and Aaron. And Moses and Aaron took the brunt of it. It really wasn't about Moses and Aaron because God was the one that led them out there, right? They were complaining not so much about Moses and Aaron, they were complaining about God and what God had done. And they go on and they say this, if only, listen to how dramatic they get, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt. It's better to be dead, right? They moaned. They, at least there, we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted, but now you've brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. Yeah, it was really the motive, right? And, and for 400 years, think about it, 400 years they're slaves. They've been set free for less than one month, but not everything was perfectly laid out in front of them, and they're already willing and eager to go back to Egypt and to go back to being slaves. That's where they were at. Just unreal, they would be willing to forego this, their, their freedom uh, because they were being required to step out in faith and to step out into the unknown and to endure changes and to, and to trust God in the process. But they wanted to go back to being slaves. Do you know why? Because it was predictable. It was predictable, and where it is predictable, it is comfortable, and it requires no faith. Scripture says without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible. 
And so this is where they're at, right? They're, it's predictable. And, and you want to know why so many of us can be stuck in our past. We get stuck in our own past or we're not willing to roll with changes or we're not really willing to take risks or we keep repeating the same mistakes over and over again like Israel was doing. Why so many of us will stay in lives of mediocrity and there's a lot of that out there. A lot of complacency, a lot of mediocrity. Do you know why? It's because for many of us, we choose to. And I don't mean that to be harsh. I'm talking as much about myself as I am anybody else today. We choose to. For many, we choose to stay in the predictable patterns of our past, no matter how painful those patterns may be, no matter how dysfunctional our families may be because of those, because at least we know what to expect and so we will stay in those places of predictability and not risk new things, venturing into the unknown, taking risks for change in our life. We lock ourselves in these imposed, self-imposed prisms of fear with all these limits, right? It's a, it's a prison where we're at, and, and oftentimes we put ourselves right there just like we do with unforgiveness when we talked about that. Write this down if you're taking notes. Fear, when it moves in, will always establish the limits on your life. It will establish your limits. Let me explain what I mean by that. If you fear heights, what are you going to do? You're going to stay low. You're not going to risk and go up high. If you fear going outside, what are you going to do? You're going to stay inside. If you, if you fear, you know, maybe being around people, you know what? You're going to stay alone. And that's where a lot of people, they won't take risks. And this happens so frequently. Because we can't see things that are out ahead of us and it requires faith. If you fear failure, you know what you will do? You just won't try. I'm just not even going to try. You ever known anybody like that? You ever done that? I've done that. I just won't try. And that's because our fear establishes our limits. And these people of Israel were willing to go back, get locked up in prison, be beaten by taskmasters. That's interesting, right? They would take a beating there rather than venturing out and trusting God into the great unknown where God was saying, I'm not going to show it all to you up front. You're just going to have to walk with me and trust me. Fear establishes our limits, and so many of us will stay in these places of mediocrity in our lives. That's why there are so many mediocre marriages. It's because we, we just will stay locked into patterns. I'm not saying get a new marriage. I'm saying a lot of times we'll say we can help you with this, and a lot of times people aren't willing to take a risk to, to get some help, to try to get help in it. And so that will happen. Or people won't take a risk of trying to be a friend to somebody because they're afraid they might get rejected. Or I won't ask somebody to coffee or get to know because I might get rejected. Or they may not like me when they really get to know me. Churches won't adapt and take risks uh, and, and, and because it's uncomfortable. And it, it's scary sometimes. And 80% of, of our population in this community that I've grown up in don't go to church anywhere. And we won't be willing to take risks to try to go get them and to let them know how much Jesus loves them. And so do you know what's happening in churches all across? I've shared it with you. Churches, rather than opening new places, are shutting their doors at record pace. We live in post-Christian America today. And that ought to disturb us. It ought to disturb us out of our comfort zones. 
to say we got to go get them, we got to try things, we got to risk, we have to go after people for Jesus. People won't go big for God because they're scared of failing. We won't try things, we won't try to plant churches, we won't, you see what I'm saying? Fear limits us. We won't jump off into the deep end and trust our Father to help us learn to swim. And there's nobody that knows this better than myself. When I first sensed God calling me into vocational ministry, uh, I told him, I was 17 years old. I was over across the street at that high school, right over there. And I was like, God, I will do anything in ministry. Please don't make me a pastor. I cannot be a pastor. I am terrified of, I was scared when the teacher would call on me in class, I would get sick. I just, it, may, it just made me ill. I just had such, I got to command and what people would think of me. I struggled with this so much. And, and then when I got to college and, you know, and I, here, here were my fears, right? You know, sharks and public speaking. Those are my two greatest fears. And you know, if you've been around here, and so then the, the scariest thing would be speaking to a group of sharks. That would really be scary, right? So uh, let's see what happens if I bleed. And um, but, but when I got to college and I was going into ministry, I dropped out of, not just college, I dropped out of, of some classes because they were speech classes. I didn't know you had to have that. And I was like, I'm out. I can't do this. I was going into ministry. I dropped out of the, the preaching classes that they were like, you have to have these. And I'm like, I'm not doing it. I got out of ministry. And in that process, God made me very, very miserable because he had called me. And my baseball card business wasn't working out so well, all right? <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to have to trust the Lord in this. And so you know what I did? I faced that fear. And I said, I am terrified. I'm terrified, God. But I trust. I stepped out and I trust him. You know what happened? I faced it head on. And, and, and I said, I'm just going to go in all If I'm in, I'm all in. And I went in and I became a speech communications major. And I'm like, if I'm doing this, I'm going all in. But you need to know, just because I decided to do that, it wasn't easy. Every speech, I would get sick beforehand. I've told, many of you know this, I've told our church this, that the first five years of our church, this may gross you out, but you just need to know, okay? First five years of our church, every Sunday morning, I would throw up. I'm just letting you know, because I was so scared. A lot of breath mints those first years, okay? But I was so scared. This was a fear I had to face. Now, here's what I want to ask you. What is it that God is calling you to, but your fear is limiting you? Because you won't step out and trust God and face it. Uh, maybe it's a mission trip. He's been calling you to go. You know we're always going, but you've just been fearful of that. I'm so proud of Jimmy Chestnut. He's usually in the first service, and he was terrified to go on a mission trip. He's in a wheelchair, but he said, I'm going. And he did it, and he tells you it's the greatest thing he's ever been on in his life. What is it for you? Maybe it's leading a life group. That's one of our small groups. We're going to need more of them as we grow. And we're going to need some of you to step out and say, I don't know how to do that, but I'm willing to journey with the Lord in this. Because value of community is a big thing. Maybe it's helping in the kids' ministry. I don't care how incredible that hallway of children's, that wing is, if we don't have enough people who are saying, I love kids, I'm going to step out, I'm going I'm to trust the Lord in the process, there's going to be a need for people to step up to the plate there. Right? You can't just have empty rooms with kids. And so just, what is he calling you to? Maybe for some of you, it's being a spiritual leader. And dad, maybe that terrifies you because you're new to the faith. 
you're new and you're like, I don't know how to do this, but, but here's the deal. I'll step up to the plate and I'm going to trust God. I'm going to jump off in the deep end and I'm going to trust that he's going to show me how to do this. Maybe it's taking a risk and starting a new business. God's been calling you to, to, to something and you've just been fearful. And, and maybe it's inviting someone to church or inviting someone to coffee to get to know them. Your fear has been limiting you from moving forward and being what God has made you to be. And that's going to require you, if you want to move forward, it's going to require you to trust God in the process. You won't get all the answers up front. We don't have them now. We didn't know coming in. So God was trying to lead Israel out of slavery and mediocrity to this promised land. He'd been, they'd been praying and asking him for this for 400 years. And finally he says, it's time, let's roll. And what do they do? Oh, no, let's put the brakes on this. I can't do this. It's unknown. But every time he brought them to a test, they stood paralyzed in fear rather than stepping out in faith. And God was trying to teach them this. Write this down, that freedom and fulfillment are found on the other side of our fears. I am a living testimony of that because I got to tell you, I don't know if I've ever felt more fulfilled in my life than seeing this dream actually come about. And seeing it actually really, it's unfolding in front of my eyes. But if I stayed in that place, I just was thinking, this may have never happened. Now, God could have, you know, picked somebody else. But it's just incredible to experience freedom and fulfillment. And jumping back in very quickly on the story of Israel, it started not only with Israel, but Moses felt this way. Before he went to Pharaoh, in chapter 3, go back with me there for a moment and we'll be done. But here's what, where God's initial conversation where he's calling Moses, it says in chapter 3, verse 9, he says, God says, look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me. I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God. And what did he say? Who am I? Who am I, God? Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? By the way, he knew who Pharaoh was, right? Who am I to appear before him? Who am I to lead these people of Israel out of Egypt? And God answered this. What did he say, church? Say it with me. I will be with you. Now, God never promises that you won't have fear, but he does promise he will walk with you through it. That he will, he will journey with you through what makes you afraid. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But look, but Moses again protested. He's arguing with God. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, well, what is his name? What's his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent you. And this is where I wondered if Moses, in a sarcastic tone inside of his head, said, well, that will explain everything, right? And, and, and God said, I heard that. And Moses was like, what? Okay. And, but, but seriously, he was worried about this. Do you know what he was most worried about? He was worried about himself, he was worried about how he was going to look, wasn't he? Who am I? And you know what God says? This isn't about you. It is not about who you are, Moses. Uh, you know, it's not about who you are. It's about the one who is with you as you go. And that is what God turned in this. 
Why was Moses so fearful in this part? He had a past, didn't he? God could never use someone like me. God could never use me. And I, I heard this from another pastor one time, and it was a game changer for me, and I pray it will be a game changer for some of you. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Right? That changed my life. He'll give you what you need when you journey as you go in faith. He'll give you what you need as you go. This I am, it literally means I will be who I will be or I will cause to be what comes to pass. That's what it is in Hebrew. I am the unchanging eternal one. Things are going to change all around you, but I will not. And you tell them that that's who I am. Moses did what most of us do. We go to all the what ifs. What if this? What about that? What if this? That's what I was doing that one night. What if this doesn't work out? What if I fail? What if this? Moses protested. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? I have a past. Maybe you do too. And he's saying, Moses, it's not about you. It's not about you. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, I'm not good with words. He comes up with every excuse in the book. I, I don't know how to do this, right? I'm tongue-tied. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a man's mouth? I'm in control. You're not. Who makes them listen? I do, not you. He's saying, you're not with me anyway. I am in control. You walk with me. Here's what I want to leave you with today. See, here's the thing. When, when our faith goes up, what you're going to discover is our fear goes out. When faith goes up, fear goes out. And I experienced this, as I said. I had a couple of moments this past week in the middle of the night, and I had an opportunity at this point to say, how am I going to handle this this time? Am I going to keep worrying and just, or am I going to practice what I preach? So that night, instead of just being overwhelmed with worry, do you know what I did? I did the right thing. I opened the Word of God. And I don't do that every time, but I did that that night, and I started reading about the faithfulness of God to his people. I started reading about how he loves us, how he calls us, all those things, and it was removing the fear from my life. I started talking to him about how I was feeling, praying about it. I started praising him. Praise, we've been saying around here, is our weapon, right? I started doing those things. Faith was going up. Fear was moving out. And that's what God may be call, calling you to today. When the fear starts pressing in on you, remember this, how much he loves you. And he's for you. And if he is for you, who can be against you? Amen, right? He's for you. So I want to invite you just to pray with me at this moment. And as we pray... I want you to listen to this voice because what I find fuels my fears is when I stop remembering how much God really loves me. How much he really loves me. But this is what Paul said. If you're worried about something, I pray that you'll go read Romans chapter 8 today because it helped me. Here's what Paul wrote, and listen, and I pray the Holy Spirit speaks to you, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Nothing, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons. Listen to this, church. Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Isn't that powerful? 
Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. I just pray right now you know how much Jesus loves you. How much he loves you. He has so much for you and he wants you to trust him. If you are worried about something today, just right now, just begin to talk to him. Give it to him. Start to walk in obedience to, in the obedience he's called you to, but he want, he doesn't, he's not shaming you today. He wants you to come to him about those things. What fear maybe is limiting you from doing what God wants you to do? Identify it. Take it to the Lord. Press into the Lord today rather than letting your fears press you down. Take heart knowing how much he loves you. Maybe your fear has been, for some of you, that you don't know what it means or you've, you've been fearful of coming into what it means to come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You've never trusted him as your savior. Well, that's why we started this church was so that we could tell you how much he loves you and that he wants to be in a relationship with you and that if you'll call upon him to be your savior, he will save you. You can't earn it. You can't even see it all out front. It's all about faith by grace alone. Through faith alone in Jesus Christ, you might just pray something like this where you're seated. Dear Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. I want to trust you with my eternity. I want you to forgive me of my sin. I come to you right now and I, I want to ask you, Jesus, to save me. I want to begin a relationship with you. And it starts in faith. Lord, we are so blessed. Thank you for this building and this tool you've given to us. But more than anything, thank you for Jesus. It's all about him. It's in his wonderful, glorious name.